became an isolation tank, providing complete sensory escape. While books, films, and TV programs had long offered absorbing distraction, this remarkable bit of kit shut out the rest of the world entirely. I could close my eyes and immerse myself in other worlds. The cool spaciness of the Human League's dare, the offbeat rabble-rousing of the Clash's combat rock, the colorful dreamscapes of The Teardrop Explodes Kilimanjaro. But it hadn't occurred to me that music could be an interest, like a hobby to be explored, analyzed, and discussed. Until I became friends at Queen's with Maxine, who lived one stop away from me on the Jubilee Line in Kilburn, and who remains my closest friend to this day. It was a revelation to sit in her bedroom, the walls covered in band posters and a collage of images, cut from music magazines, and discover that talking about music could be a bonding experience and a route into friendship, intimacy, and easy conversation. Hello, everybody. Uh, it's been quite a while. Welcome back. My name is Christian Overfield. And I am Martha, and we are the hosts of the Rockstar Autobiography Podcast. Join us every two weeks or longer as we autobiographies by the greatest and most famous musicians in history. That uh, paragraph that I just read was Mickey. I think it's pronounced Berenyi. Is that correct? Or is it, or is it Berenyi? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, the, the memoir is called Fingers Crossed. How Music Saved Me from Success. She was the uh, sort of, I guess for lack of a better word, the front person, not by her own choice of the band Lush. Um, before we jump into that, I think we do have a little house cleaning moment here, Martha. Yes. Because uh, it, it's, um, yeah, I've hit puberty since we last did this show. <laughs> it's been that long. Yeah, it's it's been a little while. If you feel the need to say anything to our listeners, um, that would be great. If if you don't, you don't. No, I will. I will. So as some of you who listen to us regularly know, we haven't put out an episode in a a few months. And uh, I've been very busy. So now we're back. Hi. And I have to uh, point out that, Martha, the only reason that we've survived out in the ocean with no food at all for six months is because of Dave Grohl. Truly. It's true. The guy, that Dave Grohl episode has kept us afloat for Truly. six straight months of no podcast episodes. Yes. Gener- it has generated 30 times at a minimum. I, was, I, I think something like that compared to every other episode. And it's, It really has. I wish I owned a stock that produced as consistently as the Dave Grohl episode has done for us. Yes. So I, I guess I say thank you, Dave. I know we've, we've never been the closest of friends, um, but I appreciate the longevity. Um, anyway, with that, let's jump into, let's just move forward. The past is the past. <laughs> let's leave the past in the Where past. Where it belongs. Yes. Right? Um, so this book was uh, Martha's Choice. We got to go back to our little roots, the things that we like, regardless of whether or not, quite frankly, our fans have ever heard of these people. Um, And so Martha found this book. um, And so I'm going to let, I typically think that the person who's enthusiastic about it should get to go first. 
Oh, thank you, yeah, Christian. I see you haven't lost your manners in all of these months. Aww, thank you. <laughs> That's so sweet. Uh, well, yes, I I chose this book uh, in part because I was a huge Lush fan when I was a teenager. They there are certain bands that I associate with seventeen year old me. And Lush is one of them. The other is Ride. But unfortunately, none of those guys have written any memoirs. I, I thought that uh, Mickey and Emma were just, I just thought they were cool. I just really like them. So here we are. Do you do you want to tell us how you felt about it? Or do you, do you want me to? I'm interested to know if you, I know that you weren't too familiar with their music and I'm just curious as to whether or not you listened to some of the songs that I had recommended. I did, but I feel like it's hard to bring that up without going into it. Um, oh, a little okay. Bit. Um, so I, like you, you know, it was really just looking at the pictures when I said, there's a photograph in the book of, uh, the weenie roast. And boy, when I saw that, I was like, oh my gosh, that takes me back. But it feels like it was yesterday too. It really does. Um, I yeah. feel like I was only 17 yesterday and I wasn't. Correct. <laughs> um, and so obviously she was part of the landscape of all the bands that I was really into at that time. I was really heavily into all that uh, Britpop stuff. And I, I read New Musical Express every week and I read, um, I'm blanking on the other one right now. Uh, do you remember what it was called? What, and Star Me Hits? Mel no, Melody, Melody Maker? Maker. Melody Maker. Yeah, I'd read those every week. And it was just like she talked about, you know, there were all these bands and you're excited about who was coming and who was out there and you were able yes. to keep track of them. And so she was in that radar. Um, and I'm sure I did try them back then. Yes. Um, but the music still today, it, it sort of it left me feeling like it did then. And I would I would liken their music to sort of like a, a mist or a mist. A mist. So when I put on their songs, I except for that uh Lady Killers. Yes. So Lady Killers, <laughs> it is funny. Well, we can get to, we can get to that song, which is yeah. so funny because it does sound like unlike the other ones. Oh, well, the yes, others, and there's yes. Go they're on. just they're just sort of uh, you know, some it just sounds like people chiming away on a guitar and singing in a really ethereal voice with not much melody at all. It doesn't sound bad. It just doesn't, it just it dissolves on your tongue the second it lands. Um, and it's funny because we've had conversations where you've been, you've had strong reactions to some of the female singers that we've talked about. Like you didn't like uh, Likey Lee and certain female singers because they had a certain sound that rubbed you wrong. Well, what kind of didn't work for me about her voice is just, it's so thin. It's so misty. I don't even know that I'm listening to somebody sing. You know, it's interesting because I'm very particular about the, in general, I'm very particular about the singers that I like, period, right? Both male and female. There's a certain voice that I like. Uh, but I feel that in her case, it just, it works with the music. I just, it just works for me. And and that's why I've I've always liked it. I also have very um, very good memories attached to their music, so I think that that helps with with that as well. I'm sure that's that's, that's a ton of it. Um, I think that I think that is a lot of it. But I also just really like their sound, and I always I always thought that it was uh, 
I thought it was different. You know, I think nowadays there's a lot of bands that kind of have that that sound a little bit, but her voice and the music, it just works. And it still it still works for me to this day. I like it. Okay. I mean, I don't dislike it. It just wasn't one just morphs into the next and it sounds um anyway. I say all that. Well, I'm just gonna move forward then, if you don't mind. Uh sure. So you picked this book and I I did. Okay, so when I when I picked Brett Anderson's book, I was so thrilled by how much you liked it. Yes. Uh, because it feels great to be understood and also feels it's exciting to watch somebody get excited about what you like, to see yes. them go crazy. So I wanted to like the music for that reason. Um, Aw. Um, the, the book, though. Okay, so yes. when, you, when you picked this book, I was like, oh, man. Okay, you <laughs> know. I mean, Lush felt already like so minor league to me. Oh my goodness, Christian! Oh, so even though I, it was part of our, you know, shared musical landscape, it was, it was like, okay, here we go. And I had a cynical approach to it, like, okay, Lush never quite exploded at all, um, and so now I guess she's and and by the way, I'd probably do the same thing. Now she's just going to try to cash in some check, writing a book, you know, eke out all the money you can, and then I don't hold that against anybody, but I kind of brought that attitude to it. Um, okay. However, I thought the book was just, you know, we've talked in the past about uh, the big dinner parties well, I have in my home and how I like Pat Benatar, I would sit as far away from me as possible, right? And I have seating arrangements. Well, Mickey Berenier, she would absolutely be at the first table. I thought her book was so just out of, I was so caught off guard by how expertly written it was it really i am so pleased to hear this it absolutely transcended the genre and it was just successful as a memoir period i (laughs) I love this christian so swept up so in love with it so um totally surprised and just really chuffed and all of those british terms for for really really liking some i just loved it i thought it was superb she accomplished what a good memoir needs to accomplish which is to really bring you in and give you a real sense of who the person is uh by sharing you know uh, details of of their life in a way that just sort of brings you in in a big way and i and i felt that she did that too and i'm so pleased that you felt that yes the language the writing the turns of phrase the composition she also did something that was we've never seen this so far it's i don't know up to like 35 books at this point and no one it's more than that it's like 40 (laughs) no one's ever done what she did which i and it was really effective so um like all the really great memoirs we've read I forget I'm reading about somebody who's going to be, to some degree, famous. Uh, yes. You just, you just get so wrapped up in yes. their childhood and to their life and the writing, the characters. You forget that, oh, yeah, I, I bought the ticket to see the Titanic sink. I forgot about that. I thought, you know, I got swept up of the romance here. Um, and what she does is she brings the story. I thought this is so novel. She brings it to a close. So the first yes. Time, the first half of the book, it's her childhood and her parents. But all the other memoirs we've read, it really flows super chronologically. So then you get about two-thirds of the story of the of the parents. 
And then, of course, it leaves the parents behind as they become, you know, like in their 20s. Then the story moves into the career of the band and all that. And then it finishes with the parents. She didn't do that. She told the whole story of her parents in one section. And I thought that was really artful. I thought the whole memoir was artistically told. It felt like she had almost sketched out sort of a vision of how she wanted the book to look and read in two parts. It was really uh, super just creative and um, it, it was just wonderful. It was. And, you know, I will say this, the first part, going back to what you said about her family and, and that first part of the book, as I was reading that first part of it, at one point I thought to myself, okay, I'm, this is a lot about her family. And I started getting a little tired of reading about it. I wanted to get to the part where they're a rock band. I wanted to get to the part where she meets Emma. I wanted to get to all of that and and the evolution of their relationship into forming the band and to becoming who they eventually became. And I was kind of anxious to get to that because I kept feeling like I was just reading too much. And then at one about her family, right? And so then at one point I thought to myself, there's a reason that all of this is being told in the manner in which it is. And I'm sure that I'm going to get to it as I continue reading the book. And I was absolutely right. And once I started thinking about it in those terms, I was able to just go with the flow and keep reading it, right? Um, because she really does lay it out for you in terms of her family and her upbringing. And we should talk a little bit about that because her-, her a, a little bit, a ton of bit. I mean- Yeah. Her, her, her father was Hungarian. Her mother was Japanese. Uh, her mom was uh, an actress and a model. She was in James Bond, in a James Bond movie. Uh, her dad was a sports reporter. And that's actually how they met. During the Olympics in Japan, her dad was there reporting and he met her, her mother. Uh, so, you know, and she really details sort of what the relationship with their families, with her parents' families was like and, and what her relationship was with both of her parents. And they separated when she was still fairly young. But she really paints a picture of what that was like growing up. She ends up living with her dad and she saw her mom on the weekends and where she was, there was more structure and her dad's home was just kind of everything kind of went. Uh, but she lays all that out because as, as her story goes on, you know, it, it goes back to the childhood. And I think what this book did a really good job of, of presenting to us is how I always say, you know, that our upbringing and our family life really sets the tone for what the rest of our life is going to be like. And nowhere is, was this more clear than in her upbringing and, and the way that she grew up. And, and like you said, I think she just was so, the way in which she um, writes about every aspect, not only of her upbringing, but then as things progress in her life was done in such a way where I almost felt, Christian, and I don't know if you felt this way, but I felt as though I was watching a movie. And to me, when I'm reading a book, any book, uh, if I can imagine things very vividly and as though I'm watching it in my brain, um, that's always a sign to me that whatever I'm reading is 
is written very well. And that was the way that I read her book. I was picturing everything as I read it because I think she was able to convey things in a very, um, in a very detailed manner that allowed for that to happen. Well, I think we have to share those details because it is, it had that uh, cinema verite, George, um, boy, Georgian uh, minutia. And I was just enthralled. And, you know, since I have no expectation, unlike you, I'm not super eager to get to the lush part because I don't, you know, they just went and do that much for me. So it probably affected how I read the book. I, I wasn't in a hurry like you were to get there. I was. Yeah, and I, I, I was I, I was growing impatient. But then, like I said, I, I thought to myself, there's a reason that this is being laid out the way that it is. I so was I, loving every second. And I was laughing out loud at the mm-hmm. details that she gave about the kind of I mean, these these musicians we've read about have the absolute craziest, craziest upbringings. So yes. she's got her. It, this kind of reminded me a little bit of, of Anthony Kaitis's uh, upbringing. Me, too. So, but without, Me too. It, it, it lacked all the the gross, uh, hardcore, uh, heroin tinged, just vileness of that book, which was you know off putting a little bit. This one didn't have that, um, but it had all the same sort of sorted experiences. And it, I, the detail she gives, I was just laughing out loud. For instance, she's living with her dad, and she describes how feral the guy is. And she says that when he's at home, he's just, he's eating, he doesn't use utensils, he uses his hands, he licks the plate clean, and he just sort of wanders around the, heart, the house picking his nose and farting left and right. And the, and then he, he, she, the description she gives of uh, her grandmother and yes. the way the grandmother's hoarding food under the, under, I think, the bed or just throughout her the entire room. Right. There's there's stuff. There's just stuff everywhere. The details of what she's hoarding, the bread, the the frying oil, the Mm -hmm. mouse, the mice that are attracted to it, the mice droppings that are everywhere. Yes, it's gross. And just one day of this person's life is sensory overload on crack. I mean, my whole childhood, if you took all the tumultuous traumatic experiences of my childhood, right, I think that would equal about a week of her life. Oh, uh, uh, you know, and that's being generous t- to myself. And then <laughs> to the deep and the contract, you couldn't, I couldn't, it felt almost made up. It was so surreal, her experiences with these people. Yes. And the, and the flamboyant natures of the people was Correct. really, it that totally eclipsed. So when we got to Lush, that, I mean, I've read before, okay, you're in a band now. And whatever crazy thing you're about to tell me, I, I, I've read it by now. But what you've just told me about Ray, your mom's husband, who runs around the house in a robe and he's just naked all day long and showing her porn at the age of 11 under the guise of it being some art film. And just the I don't even know where to start or wherever you wherever you take the camera, point it at her childhood. It is kooky, to say well, the least. Well, yeah. And and that was just it. I mean, the the adults in her life. Yeah. Uh, were just really rotten. Well, yes, and and you know they they carried on as though the way that I read this and the way that I was interpreting it was almost as though they just carried on without any real regard towards her because they were just so busy 
uh, trying to get on with their own lives and their own things, um, that it almost, at least in reading it, it, it felt as though she came in second. And she talks about feeling that way. You know, she talks about her 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 mom when her mom uh, moves in with Ray, and she I loved Ray. And she says, um, you know, she was glad that she find after she breaks up with one boyfriend, her mom, she thinks, oh, good. You know, now I have my mom all to myself. She was always uh, going after that attention and wanting attention and, and seeking that in her parents because they were just so busy with their own lives. She talks about how when her mom meets Ray, who ends up being a actor right and he becomes a director here in la uh that comes later but he just seemed uh, like a, a hanger a glad hander hanger he really on, like he, a yes. sycophant succubus that happened yes. to just for in one he got lucky for a brief period of time uh, yes yeah. yes I, I i felt similarly to christian and she you know she feels like she's finally gonna have her mom to herself but then this guy comes along along with his two children uh, so there is this blended family of sorts. That but had, also... hadn't he abandoned like four or five of his children already? Yes, he had. He had. Uh, uh-huh. but he, has, he's, he has a close relationship with, or at least he brings these two younger girls that are um, her age along. And so then she has these uh, stepsisters. But yes, her, her upbringing was just chaotic, to say the least. And, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned Anthony. Her dad reminded me of yeah. him too, in that, yeah. like Anthony's dad, uh, her dad uh, would take her out almost as uh, as as a way to you know get women, uh, and oh, yeah. so she would go out to clubs with her dad, and she thought this was great because oh well, she was spending quality time with him, uh, but she would go out with him, and then you know she, she would be used as bait for uh, the unsuspecting women who would fall prey to <laughs> her yeah. dad. And so uh, she talks about how sometimes, you know, the the girlfriends would, he would bring the girlfriends back home uh, to their home. And she thought, oh, well, this is, you know, she felt again, a little bit of this almost competition for her dad's attention. Like, oh, well, this person's not coming, but then they would show her attention and she says, well, then that was great. But then eventually, you know, that attention would also disappear because really they were just there to be with dad. And so you you have this and she was still a very young girl at this point. So she, her, her life, her home life was just, again, like so many of these other star rock stars that we've read about was was quite chaotic. But see, I, I think very early age. OK, that story to me, I think you're glossing over an important part of it, which is. The telling of it is so funny. When she describes going out and having to, she's been, her father directs her, like, go to that one. Oh, right. Yeah, her dad, her dad, yes. So she goes and she opens with, I don't know what her opening gambit is, I forget. But she says the languages that she used made it so funny because she says sometimes uh, to her father's horror, the plan backfires spectacularly. Yes. Because the women are really interested in wanting to know her. And play Monopoly <laughs> with her and sit down and do whatever she yes, wants to do. Yes. And she can feel her father fuming in the background because <laughs> I'm sure his 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 Viagra is about to run out in any second. Oh no. It was, I mean, the telling of the story, it yes. was it her telling of these things was so funny. 
It's and funny and it's also very matter of fact. I don't know if yeah, you know what it is that. Bo- it's, it it's, was both. It's, yes, it's very like. But it's and measured. This, it's tab. That's tab. Yes. That was yes. a writer for sure. I mean, she yes. was choosing it's, her words and it yes. was dry humoring it. And it was just yes. so funny. I love it. It is measured and it is. Um, it's never over the top. Never, it's never, never. It's never over dramatized. It's never. She never. You don't feels, need to because there's no, so much drama. Because the story. there is so much within the story, correct? And and she never feels sorry for herself. Uh, she manages to tell everything again in a very sort of matter of fact manner. Uh, there was something very English about the manner in which this book was written too, which appealed to me because, you know, the, the humor is a little bit different and, and the way in which the stories are told are a little bit different. And it just felt, it felt very English to me um, because I think of, of that Christian, because of the measuredness in terms of the way that the story is told, because yes, even, even when she talks about very dramatic sorts of things, um, they're not necessarily expressed in that manner because I think you're right. You know, it's the story itself is kind of over the top. She tells a story. I was laughing so hard because I said earlier, I love Ray. I mean, I don't because he was a terrible guy. He seemed to be. But I guess Ray and if listeners out there, if you want to incorporate a new life hack, this is it. Whenever things are going not his way, he just is with a straight face, just totally fakes a heart attack. <laughs> but but if you call his bluff and say if she starts to call his bluff and say fine let me call the paramedics he's like no i'll make it through i'll make it through <laughs> yes, and he does but, it over and over again but not only does he do that he actually collapses on the ground yeah. i mean he like does the, he's not just saying oh my gosh yeah. i'm having a heart attack he falls on the ground and starts like an italian and, soccer and player fit. The it's hysterical oh, so that good. made me laugh too and i thought oh. Wait, is this for real? Yeah, <laughs> like, is this... I mean, the first time I read it, I was like, "Oh God, that's kind of." But then when it keeps happening yeah. and she keeps writing about it, it, yeah. it becomes so comical because you're thinking, totally this grown man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. I, who does that occur to, Martha? That has never in my wildest dreams occurred to me as a strategy for life for getting out of a thick situation. And I, well, I, mean... I gotta try it now. Yeah, apparently um, when her mother finally has had enough of Ray and divorces him, and I guess most of the <laughs> assets are hers. So at the lawyer's office, for good measure, he throws in one last he fake does. heart attack. He does. <laughs> he does. And he collapses. It. And it's like, oh, wow. He that was his final send off to his ex-wife. Oh, man. It's so great. It's so great. He's probably like, you're going to miss this. Let me give her yeah, one last. I'll give you one more. You're going to miss this sexy drama. Watch this. It's like an elephant stepping on my chest. Can't breathe. Oh, my God. Yeah. I need more alimony. You know what, though? I, I So I want to read these books. And, I, and so this woman who's totally funding this guy's life, and yes, this seems, is uh, now uh, her mother. Her yeah, mother her is mom. basically the guy supporting the guy. Yeah, he's just a total leech, and yet she seems to to direct her life choices around his needs. Yes, and she even lets him redecorate it like a succubus. It invades and it just takes over the DNA. Except she kind of willfully wants that through her, I guess, upbringing and ideas of family or whatnot. I guess she thinks the man is supposed to be X and. Throughout the book, and this kind of thinking, 
in some ways pops up in in Mickey's thinking a little bit. It's just straight. I, I as as a as a just being myself. When I read <laughs> when I when I read about these women who are so easily man, manipulated, you know, I just there's just obviously so much about quite frankly the female psyche and emotional makeup and their DNA and their history and patterns that it's that's all foreign to me. And I'm like, how I, I never. What if I don't think I did this all new information for me about about women and that they that some of them can be this way. It never crossed my mind ever that 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 they could be until I read a lot of these books. I think uh, some men can be very easily manipulated too. Sure, of course. Uh, so no I doubt. think so I think that I know that that I know. I do think that when I come across these sorts of of stories, um, because even Mickey, you know, she talks about that where she just says, I don't understand why my mom let this happen, where this, you know, he basically moves in with her. What Christian is referring to is that he, when he first moves in with, with her mom before they're married, uh, you know, she, he has, and, and, and it wasn't surprising that he has apparently all sorts of really gaudy furniture, uh, pieces and very eccentric sorts of things. And he starts, filling her home with, with them. And eventually it's all his stuff. Uh, but I do think that, you know, I think that that, that goes both ways. I, I think that that again, goes back to whatever it goes back to. I don't know. I guess well, it's different for everyone, right. but, but like I said, I, I do know that I knew that about men. I just, it's a surprise when I read it about women for me personally, I just, interesting. Yeah. Um, there's, she does something, uh, Super, I, I thought, wow, this is great storytelling. So she has a, ha a, a way, a very effective, it, she did it twice. She'll introduce you to a character and she uh, she keeps the slate empty. She doesn't give you any foreshadowing of who they are, where they're going to turn out to be. And typically they just turn out to be child molesters. I don't know how to put it. Um, are people who are just certainly inappropriate. That, yes. that that's the best case description of the habits of these people, and one of them is her grandmother. Yes, and you know you don't see that coming right away. She buries it. She says that she she lets you in on all these things about the, her grandmother, things she would do X, Y, and Z, and then ends with, I think even the last sentence of the paragraph. Except one weird thing she did was at bath time. She spends an inordinate amount of time washing a certain part of my body. Yes. And she there she does something that is so she ties it all together at the very end. I think it almost closes the the section of her childhood. Um she brings it to her dad's attention, and it's a classic trope where um uh, he's indifferent or give her a break, she's had a hard time. But when she dies, when she finally dies, yes. um she brings it up again to her her dad and her uh, it was so brilliant martha i, I, I oh i thought this yes. is top shelf writing because yes. it, it was the way she told the story it was Those the way she told the decisions yes and she almost and she concludes but by, by the letting you in that the father says i know because she did the same thing to me yes and it was just so masterful Mm -hmm. in, in terms of the writing, the, the the just the editorial decisions of how she's going to tell the story was really super well done. 
really she well really done. she really takes you on I know this sounds cliche, but she really takes you on a journey right of of her life and her upbringing, and she closes it off by by that by sharing that uh and you know as I was reading i was as I was reading it um I was getting a vibe that something was coming, right? I was just, there was something where I thought there, there's something off about this grandmother. Something is coming. I, I, I couldn't quite pinpoint it. And so I have to admit that when I read that, I wasn't um, terribly surprised, uh, in part because of the way that she described her interactions with her dad, how she, she used to feed him, a certain way. Yeah. Do you remember that? And there were certain things that just, yeah, that just, I don't know. I started feeling like this, that's not normal. That's there's no. something off there. There's something off, but yeah, no, I mean, her, her writing is, is, is fantastic. And her storytelling is fantastic. Yeah. Both, um, both together. She had, she, yes. And I, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to knock her music, but if the music had this going on, like that, this level of talent, then, then I would have been a bigger Lush fan. Sorry. She does it again. <laughs> she did it again with, um, she talks about how hungry she is for just attention and her dad fluctuates in terms of how much he gives her. And yes. a lot of the times the, her dad who's just single-minded has a lot of these different people coming over to the house. So there's one guy, Sam, that comes over. And again, she does such a great job of describing him in a really friendly tone. So I was caught off guard when she ends the paragraph with, and then he slid his hand down my pants. I mean, she has a, a, had a real, you know what she did, Martha, that was really uh, effective and disturbing is she recreated the what it's like to be a child is that you trust somebody, you're in a moment. And she puts you in that headspace. She did. And then suddenly, in the, when you when you read the sentence about what happened to her, it's like you're there in real time, and suddenly it just happened to you, and it's jarring. And that's what I what I mean by as I was reading the book, I felt as though I was watching a movie. Yeah, in real uh, time. Yeah. Yes, because she does she does a very good job of. Getting you into her headspace mm -hmm. and into uh, almost experiencing, putting you in, in a space where you can almost imagine what that was like. And I think that that, you know, that's always a sign of someone who's a very good writer, someone who can do that and pull you in in such a way. And she does that throughout the book. Uh, and I mean, there were certain, you know, for instance, even that 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 first paragraph that you that you read, that we opened with, right? I mean, when I read that, I felt that I could have written that, not in the, in the actual sense of having written that, but in sure. terms of the of feeling. The feeling she uh -huh. captured, uh, for instance, what music is to me, you know, what music has always been to me since I was a little kid. And so I feel that she did that throughout the book, right? Whether Whether it's things that you've experienced yourself or not. Uh, you know, she was able to help allow you to experience it through her experience. And I think that that was, that was wonderful, which is the reason that I was also so into it as I was, as I was reading it. Um, if we could, I guess, move forward to when she becomes, uh, the teenage music lover. 
Yes. I, I, boy, I love that because this was somebody when she morphs into being this music lover. Yes. Man, a girl after my own heart, except she was just so far ahead of me when it comes to how into it she was. She says yes. that I think in one year she, she sees 135. Oh concerts. my gosh. I died when I read that. I thought, oh my goodness, are you kidding? And, and you know, I thought back to myself as a 17 year old girl. And how cool I thought she was when I was 17, right? I mean, I still think she's cool. But as a 17-year-old mm-hmm. girl, I just thought she was so cool. And when I read that, I was like, my assessment of Mickey was right on. <laughs> like, yeah, she was that I mean, cool. She was that cool, you know? Um, what I would have given at 17 to have gone to those many concerts in when yeah. you're a Christian, you don't even know what I would have given to do that. And so I just, I was... Um, she was able to, as a, as a woman and as a young girl, you know, she, I really connected with that part of her story um, because she was just obsessed. She was obsessed. I wish I could have connected. She was so much, like 10 times cooler than I ever was at that. Uh, if, if, we're, if, if the measuring stick is seeing gigs and, you know, right. being in it. But man, at that age to, to know all them just... The minutia of of the the bands and who was in what band and yeah the quantity of she's just living in the moment second by yes. second and just drinking that in yes and she even starts a fanzine yes I, with I Emma just that was so cool me you know, too I, me too I, really, I thought that phase of her was cooler than when she got into Lush even well because I think then, I mean when you get in the band and you kind of life starts choosing or making its decisions for you. Now, we've talked about this so many times. Now, you okay, now we need a manager. Now we need these things, right? Right. You know, it's like a choose your own adventure. This is, okay, I know how this arc is going to go. But this quadrant right here was so rich and dense. And the people that she was mentioning, just like yes. the bass players and drummers for the band yes. Orange, Orange Juice. I mean, that's the first time we've ever, I think, read that band's name in any of these books we've <laughs> I read. I know, I know. You know, and you she know, knew them all. She'd just be walking around where they're shopping for clothes. And yes. She, she, even that's cool. You know, I liked about her book. It was the first time. She mentions K-Rock in two places. Okay. So K-Rock, even across the pond, they've heard, heard of this famous K-Rock. Okay. Well, and she had heard of it because at that point, her mom had already moved to L.A. Right. with Ray. Right. Right. And uh, her mom used to listen to K-Rock. So right. she became familiar with the station through right. But through what I love mom. is when she finally goes to L.A. the first yes. time, she she's all excited to listen to K-Rock. But immediately she's like, this is lame. They play the same <laughs> 10 songs yeah. over and over again. <laughs> and that me remember when K-Rock used to oh, do that. Oh, uh, yes, yes. She you know, made Britain sounds so much like harder, grittier, and more raw and real than even LA's best version, which is K-Rock. To her, yeah. she's like, what is this is like Olive Garden. <laughs> yeah, you know? she thought it was lame. She mm-hmm. thought that it was not, and it, and you know, based on obviously everything that she shares with us, it, it I don't blame her for thinking that, you know, she was I mean, she was living, she was living the life of the rock bands that they were playing on K-Rock. You know, yeah. I mean, she was, yeah, she, she was, was hanging out with, she knew people. She, she had this whole other life that was definitely more exciting. And, you know, it's yeah. interesting because when she says that, when she does say how she pretty much thought K-Rock was just kind of boring, um, 
I thought to myself, you know, if I would have been her, I would have thought the same thing. Uh, because again, she was living it and, and she did, you know, it's the first time I have to say this, Christian, it's one of the first, I, I won't say it's the first time, but it certainly was one of the, this book was, uh, certainly one of the books that has made me wish I would have been a teenager during the time that she was a teenager in England. Because like other, there's been some other books to, you know, like even Gary Kemp's book, Spandau Ballet, right? When they were going to the Blitz and all that just sounded so cool to me. And like, I wish I would have been a part of that. And her, her storytelling about that era when she was in it, when they were getting started, it just sounded so much cooler than, than I imagined it. And I thought to myself, and I was just listening to the music. How boring is that? Yeah. You know, like it, it just so I yeah, I, I totally uh was able to understand why she would have felt that way about it. I got so much more joy, for instance, out of the story she tells of during that section of her life when they find out that the Thompson twins are recording. Oh yes, Tom Bailey. When yeah. they meet Tom Bailey and, they and they're of, fangirling. Yeah. They're fangirling. There's fangirl slash stalking. Not really. Yeah. Sort of, you know. A little bit. He sees them and he's like, Do you want to come in? And Who that, says that, Christian? So that, that sentence, do you want to come in, was so unbelievably exciting to me. Me I mean, too. Yeah. As a fangirl, yeah. I was like, Hell yeah, I want to go in. <laughs> and they do, and they're sitting there yes. pretending to be cool. And then he's, yes. he, he sounds like a really nice guy because he, yes. he kind of sort of becomes, you know, friendly with them. Uh, I don't get the sense that he tried to pull any no, you know, group. No, I think she would have shared that. He, it's, it wasn't, have. yes, it wasn't pervy. It was Not just like, all. it was just like, hey, these girls look cool. Yeah. And like, and do you want to come and hang out? Invites them to concerts left and right. And they get yes, and, yes. And that, see, that was, that, Marth, I got more charge, more energy and excitement from that than I did any of the Lush stuff. Well, I wanted to know. I mean, listen, that was really that was a highlight of the book for me as well. That whole portion was just very exciting for me. Um, I was able to relate to it in a very big way personally. You know, I know that there's a lot of women out there, some of them probably listening to us who love music as much as I do, right? Uh, and I'm sure of it. I, I'm sure of it that there's women who are just as obsessed as I am with music and all of that. But when I read her story, you know, she's there, she's not that much older than we are. I mean, she's older, but not by that much. And, and as I was reading it, it was the first time that I feel that we read a book, especially by a woman, um, whose music I really like and who I was able to relate to in, in a bigger way, in particular during that era, you know, that chapter of her life as a teenager and, and loving music and all of that. And so that, that and hearing, you know, about how her and Emma were fangirling over Tom Bailey and all of that, it was just, it was just so cool to me. Um, but obviously for me, it was also interesting to hear about Lush. Yeah. She, well, okay. If we're going to move into Lush, okay. I'm happy to do that. Um, you know, again, so Emma, <laughs> you know what, Martha, this, I had that. This the feeling again with this band Lush that we encounter with others, where 
okay, it's time to release another album. Like, why? I mean, what's the what's the impetus that you have you created some amazing songs you need to get out there, or does did some executive simply say it's time to do that, and then you guys go off and you just scratch something together because. Boy, but you know what, Christian? I do think that we need to backtrack a little bit and talk about the way that they met and how Lush came to be, too. Sure. Yeah, go ahead. But what we learned, as, as Christian said earlier, was that both Mickey and Emma starred a zine. Uh, it's called Alphabet Soup. And they're soon offered, soon after they begin the zine, they're offered a writing job at Sounds Magazine. But they turn it down, I which know, I thought... Crazy? which I thought was kind of cool. I have to admit, I thought, hey, they weren't impressed by that. They were like, no, we like doing our own thing. We don't need to go write for this magazine. We'll keep doing our, our own zine. So they do that. Um, and, you know, they, they know people who are in bands and they're, like Christian said, they're going to a ton of concerts. I think the number was something like 240 shows in like a year or two years or something like that. She gives a range of of time and the number of concerts that she went to. And it was over 200, which was just mind blowing. I just, uh, and that was just so cool to me, but so, you know, she goes, they go to all these shows and then um, finally they decide that they want to try it too. You know, they're seeing a, a lot of their friends who are in bands and, and playing and doing their thing. And they decide to do it as well. And uh, a cousin, and they had met, Emma and Mickey had met in in school. That's where they became friends. And they were very similar in terms of their interests, but their lives were very different. Uh, it sounds like Emma came from a maybe upper middle class family, whereas, you know, Mickey, I mean, her on her mom's side, it wasn't like they were broke or anything like that, but she certainly wasn't living a life of luxury. Uh, and so... One of Emma's cousins gives Emma a guitar and they start practicing to none other than someone else we've read about. Um, they start practicing to Blondie and that's the music that they're, that they're playing. And I think it was in Emma's house. And soon after that, uh, they continue practicing, but Emma joins a band. Uh, that band is called Rover Girls, I believe. And uh, and doesn't appear to be interested in being in a band with Mickey or wanting to start a band. So Mickey's kind of like, okay, what am I going to do? But then Emma starts losing interest in the Rover Girls, and so they begin their their own band. And Lush, and the way that Lush, the name Lush, came up was because a friend or yes, a friend of Emma's suggests it, and so then that's the name that they they stick with then after that you know they just start um they start I, playing i just never felt like they they loved and obviously they love music because they go in all these bands and shows and things but i never got to how do i put it um I know what you're going to say, because like I felt they, I felt a little I felt a little similar to what you're you're going to say. What I'm it trying almost, to get at, it felt like the music scene itself hoisted them along the wave of this yes. thing. And it's like we're so much a part of the scene. We know so many people in it. We love it so much. A guitar just sort of finds its way to her hands and then Emma's hands. And they're just sort of, hey, you're part of the scene. You're just in the band now. And it almost like from the outside in it happens to them and even 
I think it's crystallized by that. I think it's the bass player who's so disinterested in playing the bass that while they're playing some live gigs, he's listening to cricket matches on his yeah yes. he's not even paying attention to the gig yeah it's just yes. it's yes. like me listening to a baseball game while i'm performing yes you yes. know and and well the way that they even get their first show the way that they book their first show is because i mean they were really immersed in the scene at that time and the way that they get their first gig is because emma had started working uh, as an assistant of the person who handled the press at Creation and Factory Records. And that was the way that they were able to land their first gig. And I will say that even before, well, before joining Lush, uh, Mickey did tour with another band. I think it was in Austria and Germany and they toured and, and, but, you know, but she always wanted to get in, be in this band with Emma. And so it was just a matter of, you know, they just, they couldn't decide until they finally do. And Lush is, and they have their first gig but even then they were trying to find a singer they couldn't find a singer and so it was mickey who started singing and at one point this is this kind of cracked me up (laughs) because you know the one wants to sing and they're doing these auditions for singers and emma finally says like she's over it she's done looking for a singer so she's like it's it's you mickey and if you're not doing it, then it's over. The band is over. And I thought, oh my God. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, this is a story that I've I've read about, not necessarily in the books that we've read so far, Christian, but just in other, just, you know, with bands that I that I'm a fan of that I've heard where it was the person who's the lead singer was reluctant to sing. Um, and like the Jews and Mary Jane, Jim Reed was not the original singer. They just couldn't decide because they were both really shy. So then when Jim Reed starts singing, William says, he starts noticing that he's getting all the girls. So then William's like, well, I want to sing now. And it's like, oh, no, it's too late. <laughs> like, no, I'm the singer. And so it seems like a lot of the time for singers, it's just by default, the person who ends up singing, you know, and it was just, it just made me laugh. When, right. You know, it, Emma, doesn't, it doesn't sound very passionate. Yes. It's yes. Passion. Yes. Emma's like, well, it's like an ultimatum. Like either you do it or we're done. The band is over. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, you know, it's like almost like she was forced to, <laughs> to be the singer without really wanting to be. And on top of that, I mean, I, it's, it, it's, it attaches nicely. Later, very quickly, though, um, Emma gets pissed off that Mickey's not doing a good enough job. <laughs> I thought the nerve of that. Like, you, you, you refuse to do it yourself. You force somebody into the role. Yes. And then you're just pissed off all day long that you're, this person's not doing a good enough job on your quote-unquote intricate songs that, to me, sound like a bunch of fizzle, fizzle, oh. miss, miss. Like, I oh, can't. Oh, my goodness. Like, what are you talking? I wouldn't know the difference, you know? <laughs> Just well, she the, just seems like she's angry all the time about everything. She does. I thought <laughs> that was I, funny. Me too. At one point, I thought I wouldn't want to be in a band no, with her. I wouldn't either. And I, I would have laughed at her though. There was some. It didn't. It seemed more just sort of funny more than it seemed um, uh, mean spirited. It I just. I I laughed. I have I to. I have humorous. to agree with you on that. It didn't necessarily seem mean spirited. It seemed. Like she was just irritable because things wouldn't go a certain way. Yeah. That too. I totally get it. So I understood that. I thought, okay, I, I think I understand. But it was, it was like a Mickey keeps saying, yeah. you know, like, I just didn't know what I was doing wrong. <laughs> she right. always seemed to be upset uh, at me. 
<laughs> and she says she was always upset at me. I mean, it'd be yeah. interesting to see what Emma has to say about all of that, right? But it yeah, was it just it was just funny because every other sentence where she mentions her, she says, you know, and that was okay, I have to say that that was sort of the biggest surprise for me, reading about the fact that they weren't necessarily close. And I think in bands, Christian, there's always an assumption. And obviously we've read enough now to know that that's not necessarily true, but I think that there is always an assumption that band members are close. And the more we read about these, the more we read about these rock stars and the more we read these books, uh, the more that I'm starting to realize that a lot of the time it's just a job. <laughs> right. It's it's that, like that blows my mind. It's, I mean, it's I, I just, can't, I yes, don't understand it. It's just like going to work and you have coworkers and some you make it along with wonderfully others. It's just professional, right? It's just a working relationship. And but nonetheless, it's still just working relationship. And and that's very surprising to me because I would imagine that if I was in a band, I'd be really passionate about it. And I would love being a band with my bandmates, but it seems like that's not always the case because then the ego gets involved and it seems to put things, you know, it, it makes those relationships work differently because she talks about how, you know, Emma was always very particular about the way in which she wanted her songs to sound. <laughs> but if, if, you know, when Mickey wrote a song, oh, well, Amber, whatever. Amber. Yeah, I know. Whatever. Yeah. It was kind of like, oh, okay, sure. Yeah. That sounds great. I don't care. You know? And I mean, at least, I mean, she doesn't say yeah. that, but that's the vibe that you get that Emma was just sort of indifferent to it, but God forbid yeah. if it's her song, she was glued she to their had production. All the energy in the world for her song. <laughs> the second Mickey had a song, and she's you- like, my back is killing me. I, I can't do this for yes. much longer. And you know, and, and I wonder if you're in a band of that how ha- and I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does. And so that was very interesting um, to read. For me, as a fan of the band, I was surprised to learn that they weren't as close because, I don't know, you just assumed that they were, or I did anyway. Well, they were in a, in a way, but I, I, you know, inevitably that much proximity to another person is going to start to rub you raw. Yeah. Well, true. true. The, she, the, the guy sounded so boring. Um <laughs> they really did. The drummer, the bass, they just like, seem like the thickest, most uninteresting human beings alive. Well, I think that if you're not getting... Oh, because let's yeah, talk but, about okay. that too. I, I mean, I'm going to defend Emma on this point though, because on the one hand, I <laughs> Emma could spend 52 hours on her intricate songs. And to me, it's like, it sounds like a C minus at best. I don't care how much work you put into this. But the guys couldn't be bothered to do really anything. They just didn't care. They didn't show up to do anything. Um, but like in the Smiths, like in the Smiths, you know, um, what what Emma or I'm sorry, what Mickey says is that they not collaborate and be as active as they could have been because we weren't allowing them to. Or was it because that was really the way well, that it was? Or did we set that tone? See, and it sounds like they set that tone and they were not getting paid uh, what what they were, you know, they weren't, they were making uh, what they were making. I don't Emma and think Mickey. though that, that the guys, I'm not, I'm not trying to s- slag off your band, but it couldn't have sounded worse. <laughs> <laughs> You're terrible. That is so I encourage mean. our so listeners mean. just to go check out. I mean, you're going to come away, I think, thinking like it's fine. 
But the idea that oh, there's a, you know, I really loved reading because it's so funny. Um, Emma and Mickey would compete to write the singles. And so Martha, I went to go put on those singles, like, okay, let's listen to the the single, right? And I guess it sounds just, just like the last. I can't, I, you know, there, something very funny happened, Martha. So I was, putting, uh, I was listening to Lush, right? I put a, I just started with yes. a song on my music, um, on my Amazon. Okay. And I yes. just hit play and let it go. And I got to a song and suddenly I hit one. And I was like, oh, wow, this one, all of a sudden, there's, this is a really good one. And I went to go see the name of the song and it was the Cocteau Twins. <laughs> 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 I had run out of Lush songs and I got to one. And I was like, this is really good. <laughs> oh, my God, Christian. <laughs> well, the Cocteau Twins are very good. So after listening to our episode, everyone needs to go listen to Lush and yeah. the Cocteau Twins. You're not going to dislike it. To. But I, I don't, I think it'll be hard pressed to fall in love. And you know what? I, I'm, okay. I'm in love with, I'm in love cool. with and a lot know, of those I'm, songs. Come off. I'm it. in love with those songs. She did this thing though, that was irritating. She started talking about um, the Britpop movement and I could totally understand. I, I enjoyed how she talked about it. She wasn't a fan. I did too. It was, it was refreshing. I did too. Somebody said, oh, it's just so too much, too much. Yeah. She she made. Yeah. I've read articles in, about Blur and independent of her telling it make it makes the members of Blur sound like total dickheads. Um, but she complains that it's this laddish culture and only the men are having hits. Yes, and I'm like, honey, <laughs> the second you write "Live Forever" or at least one song that at to that level, then we can talk. There's a false argument because she's I. She's suggesting that the songs they're writing are as good or as memorable or as strong as any of those that were, you know, hits in the Brit pop world. And well, I, I, I disagree because I do think that their songs, I do think that their songs are. are I think if you blind taste tested them to any, any, any of the songs from, uh, from Blur or Oasis or Pulp, the big ones, the big hits, if you will. I don't care. You're, you, you just sampled them to 300 people who'd never heard either band. It's not a contest. I, well, I know you love I them. Don't, I totally get that. We've all I, got things that we love. It's our flavor. We're in it. But, you know, I yes. wouldn't necessarily... I know if I took Galaxy 500, right? And you've heard me go crazy for them. Yes. And I know if I played yes. some song by Oasis, most people yes. are going to go, oh, that one. Oh, most people yeah. would definitely like Oasis over. Yes, I agree with that. With that said, I do think that as as big a hits as those are, for me personally, I prefer the lush hits okay, over those. Okay, fair enough. That's all I I'm understand. Saying. But I, I, I totally understand your point. I do understand that because you're right. I do think that the, you know... Generally speaking, the average person, if you play both, they would gravitate more towards the other sound. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Of course. Yeah. And I, I, of course I, I thought would. it was, she also falls into the trap we've read about where um, when the, the band's albums aren't performing or selling well enough, they just blame the executives. They blame the marketing company. <laughs> well, everyone does I, though, I, but I, everyone who, so everyone, everyone does. The second you do that, you're basically saying the music itself has no validity. 
It's just about marketing. You can't have it both ways. Yes, but yes, no, I completely understand that. But to be that part was, I mean, it's just a rock and roll cliche at this point. You know, everyone blames Lush. That's my the marketing people. As a marketing person, I know everyone blames the marketing people. (laughs) You know, it sounded really awful though, Um, and like emasculating and no fun. Uh, She Mm. says, (laughs) "Oh, real quick." She was super funny. Hmm. Their manager uh, then needed a new one because when Lush is fizzling at the end, they're stuck going on tour with the gin blossoms and the. Oh, that hurt my feelings. Because and again, it, this is really nothing against the gin blossoms or 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 the. No, Google, I hate the Google dolls, but I can't. I mean, hello. Does nobody in the room uh, understand anything about music? These things don't pair. And to yes, see, I, I felt it, yeah that, that they had to go on that. Tour. That broke my heart when I read that. That did break my heart a little bit too. I thought that just and, and precisely for the reason that you're saying because it just it just doesn't go. But you know what? I, I just didn't have didn't that feeling. Go. I did not have that feeling for the Lollapalooza run they were on. Oh, let's talk yeah, about that. that was so funny! I love that. I love that. <laughs> I love it. I love those tours of crazy people going bananas. Uh, <laughs> Just for the sake of going yeah, bananas because they're rock we stars. Always, we always yes. get surprised because I like to, sc- like, I'm never in my life ever going to listen to a ministry album. Okay. But. Oh, really? Why not? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you, you, fooled, you got me there, Martha. For one second, I thought, I thought, wait a minute, is Martha, am I missing something? But she describes the ministry as being like the nicest guys. And yeah, that she does. An she on does. Me. Those things really make yeah. an impression on me. Whereas she yeah. says that, uh, yeah, she does. Like the flaming lips on a different tour are not so cool. And I think it's oh yeah, is a Mary Chain that are on uh, Lollapalooza. And yes, like, and she said yeah, they were nice, sour and just have a bad attitude the whole time. They but they were nice to them. They, they were. and they and the one thing and the thing that stood out to me. And I thought, oh, this is why I love you, Mickey. Uh, when she says that she saw each of their performances because they were so yeah, great live. And and that is 100% true. The Mary Chain puts on a fantastic, fantastic yeah, live show. I thought show. of you when I read I was that. Like, yeah, I knew you'd Yes, like that. yes, I did. I love that part. I, I also liked part. reading about... Um, Lollapalooza and this particular tour because it was the Pearl Jam tour. <laughs> and it's Pearl, yeah. Pearl Jam have gone supernova at this point. But they're, you know, yes. Pearl Jam are famous for being really earnest people. So they refuse yes. to move their billing slot. And so they still play second in, uh, in, in the chronological order, which, you know, the, the earlier you play, the worse your billing is. And so, but right. they're so big at that point that the huge crowds come out at the very beginning of all blues to catch them. And I thought yes. that was, you know, it was, was cool. It was great. And you know, everything, any, everything I've ever read or heard about Eddie Vedder uh-huh. has always been really yeah. good. That he's like a really good guy. And they, and she yeah. said the same thing about him, that he was really nice and down to earth. And I thought, oh, that's cool. He does cool. sound so, like know, another Bruce Springsteen in the making though, boy. He just, he just can't. Yeah. Eddie Vedder? So Eddie Vedder, he's hiding from the fans and because the intensity of the crowds <laughs> and stuff are 
<laughs> so, and yeah. I love how in order to go someplace where there are no people, he goes onto the lush bus. <laughs> okay. I don't know if you <laughs> so caught that, right? Yes, I did. I did. I thought, oh, that was like one of those backhanded compliments. Right, and he's talking to yeah. right away. He just starts talking about American politics and what's going on in the yeah. White House. And I'm like, dude, give yes. me a rest. Just <laughs> shut up. Just have a beer and calm down, man. <laughs> just chill out. Eddie. Just chill <laughs> out. Yeah. Not Eddie. Uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed really the Lollapalooza tour. Um, well, talk a little bit about our friend who appears. Uh, oh, in, in oh, her. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. I'll tell you why. I, man, do I hate the red hot chili peppers. These people are the most <laughs> disgusting people on earth. And I'll tell you, so there's a section in the book where she talks about a red hot chili peppers interview on air. I went to watch that, Martha. Oh, oh, did you really? You have got to go see it. It, it, will, it will shock you. Oh, my god! It is a strange experience to watch. You feel like you're watching juvenile delinquents who are like, a, you feel like you're watching in Clockwork Orange right before they go out and rape a, rape a whole bunch of people and, and invade a house and kill people. It is disturbing. Oh my god. And she talks about Anthocytus and how gross he is. And how full of moxie he is. And he has the talent of no matter what you say to him, he'll twist the sentence into it, into it being about how many women he slept with. Right. Or a yeah. sexual innuendo. Yeah, she says she tries to find a way to, uh, to listen to their music and make it interesting. She can't. And I, I love that. <laughs> yes. I laughed when she I said that. When I read that, when I read that, I laughed. But then she talks about how he's, um, what is he trying to invite Mickey out? Remember? And he, and he says, if she wants to go to the ballet and she's like the ballet, oh, and right. so she's a little intrigued by it, but really what the ballet means is a strip club. And she's like, why the hell would right. I want to go to a strip club with him? I <laughs> and I, I love that too. I, you know, I loved her feistiness and her just kind of calling it as she saw it. I, I really enjoyed you know, reading her writing Emma. about that. She was a, a more deferential. Um, and I think, yeah. A little bit, a little bit. But when it came to her dealings with men, she was a little bit more, you know, or at least in some of the things that she shares, especially in her in her reaction towards Anthony and and how she just could see right through him and what he was all about. And uh, do you want to tell them who one of their songs was inspired by? Uh, Lush... Our listeners. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. Um, what, well, the song, the song that was about Anthony. What? What is it? I, I'm blanking. You, you you mentioned it early on. The song that's about Anthony. Oh, Lady yes. Killers. Yes. Got it, yes. Yes. Got it. Got it. Got it. Gross. You got to go check out the video. It's repulsive on every level. Oh no, I don't. I don't. Need it to actually. Do that. I don't know. You might not want to. It's disturbing. You'll you'll get freaked out. Yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> I don't know that I'll get freaked out. I'll just be unimpressed and so, bored I by was, it. There was a moment in the book where I thought, oh, no, are, are we going to part ways? Halfway through the book, she talks about losing her virginity and sex. And she just says, oh, I figured it out. All you got to do is treat sex the way men do. And <clears throat> I was not a fan, Martha. I was like, oh, really? Just one big brush. We're all the same to you, huh? I Oh, Christian's feelings were... feelings, it's just a double standard. You think if I did that to you, you're going to be okay with that? No, you're not. But I got to say from that on, I was really um, glad, for lack of a better word, that even though clearly she is a feminist and she says that she's like read books about it, 
she has a sense of humor. Yes. And it it's she does. It, she's never I she never preaches to you. I No, she does so not. I, I she doesn't preach about anything, any aspect of her life. She does not yeah, she does not preach about anything uh about her life. She doesn't preach about the way things should or shouldn't I thought be. That was coming she's for just, sure. t- she's She's just telling you her story. Uh, she never feels sorry for herself. And it was interesting to to read about her in such a honest way. And I really felt like I got to know her. Um, yeah. So, no, I, I, I thought this book was great. Super great. Highly recommend it. Um, it kind of, you know, ends where the Lush story ends. Now, I got to say, we had different experiences, Martha. I had no idea about the story of Lush. So I didn't know what happened to their drummer. Chris. Yes. And, you know, I have to tell you something, Mm -hmm. Christian, that I knew something had happened to him. I also came to discover that when I read the book. Oh, you didn't know? No, I did not know. I knew something had happened, um, but I I didn't know the story. So. When I read that, I was also surprised because I have to tell you that I, once they, once they got into sort of the later part of Lush, I I wasn't really listening to them anymore. I was still listening to the stuff that had come out back in like 89, 90. Uh, And so I I wasn't all that familiar with the, the later part of their story. And so when I read that, I was also surprised. And so I said to Nick, wait, this happened? And he said, you didn't yeah. know that? And I said, no, I did not. Well, since we've been, I mean, I could sense what was coming as I was reading it. Oh, I could too. I, I, I could know. too. And so I guess we'll tell our listeners. And I was- he, You know what was ridiculous to me? I mm-hmm. mean, I'm not trying to, to belittle that somebody, um, okay, I'll, I won't give it away yet. Big surprise. He, he's despondent because he's dating this 21-year-old girl. He's, I guess he's 30 or 31. She's 21. She dumps him. Um, and I, I had a hard time with that. Like how, you can't recover because, uh, somebody broke up with well, you. Well, I, I, I think there was cer- certainly more I, than that. I, I mean, I think, I be, think otherwise it makes no, no sense. I, no, well, I think that a lot of the time, you know, people are going through things and things are very deep rooted and there's others, you know, it's, and sometimes one situation might trigger, uh, deep-rooted feelings that you were already having and that just sends people over the edge, you know? And so I think that that is possibly what happened. We'll never know, unfortunately. Because but why? He, he, he died by yeah. suicide, you know? He, Man, and by so, the way, most people who hang themselves to let their loved ones find them, I, that is so beyond, beyond not cool. I can't imagine what that does to a human being. I... I can't. I, I don't even want to imagine that. I I don't. I would never want to lift no, something through. You know, go, lift through something point. like Nobody that. Yeah, no, I understand. A... I understand. I understand. It's it's terrible, and that's 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 how he does it. Um, in his family home, and so, yeah, and, and you and you saw it coming. I mean, I certainly saw it coming the minute that you know. The when he says, you know, she she talks to him and she's saying, you know, everything's going to be okay. Like it's good yeah. for you to because he goes to his family home. And she says, you know, it's good for you to be with your family. I'm sure that that'll help you clear your head. And and she was checking up on him basically to see how he was doing. And 
the one last conversation that they had, I thought to myself when she talks about how she says, you know, okay, well, I'll check up on you and I'll, and I thought to myself, I get a feeling that there was no checking up <laughs> on him after this. It just felt, it felt so heavy. It felt so heavy as you were reading yeah, it. Sure. And so he, he dies, you know, and it's terrible. I Hangs mean, himself. you know, so his young. Fa- his yes. father finds him. Yes. Yes. And they're, what is it? They're, they had a farm, yeah, right? In a far in the farmhouse. And I think he had gone back to Wales, I believe it was, or and he had gone to his family home there. So yeah, it was very sad. But but again, I think, you know, I think those situations are I don't know, you just never it's all very sad. Very sad. Sad ending for Lush. Yes. Sad ending for Lush. And you know, basically they 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 stopped making music and, you know, they did get back together not that long ago, some years, well, yeah. a couple years Another back. Another falling out, apparently. Another I falling out. I yeah. <laughs> I'd like to know that. I, I, and, and now she's an editor, which I completely saw when I read the book. I thought, you know what? I can see that because this book was very well written. Yeah. She says she makes uh, more so money she- doing this than she did in Lush. Yes. You know what I, you know, after I was done reading the book, you know, I have, I have fantasies, Christian, of, of being rich someday and not having to work. Right. Right. And as I read this or, 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 you know, being a rock star, not necessarily being a rock star because I wouldn't want to tour. It'd be too exhausting. But, but as I, as I closed the book and I was done reading it, I, I sat for a minute and I thought to myself, boy, you know, she has a regular job now, just like the rest yeah. of us. <laughs> and, you know, she has obviously this, this history of having been a rock star, but now she has like this normal, you know, nine to five kind of job. And I thought, wow, <laughs> you know, it's, it's almost like her life, um, you know, to those of us who've never experienced rock stardom and fame and all of that, it, it just feels like, it feels so, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but it just, it feels almost like she went backwards, right? In a way. I don't know. I don't know if that makes any well, sense, but. I feel like considering her childhood and her life, it felt like this super awesome antidote. It, yeah. Oh, well, that too. Uh, correct. That too. Because now she talks about how she has this family life that she has been able to create with her partner and she has two children and she just feels very content and stable in a way that she never did when she was uh, a child and, you know, growing up. But it just, I don't know, it just felt so normal in a good way, right? But normal um, because we certainly haven't read a lot of that in the other books. I mean, everyone is still chasing the dream and still putting out records that might not be selling very well anymore, but they're still pursuing it. Right. And so for her, it was just, well, if I, and, and I loved, you know, there was one thing that really um, stuck with me was that in spite of the difficulty, which it seemed to have been to be in a band with Emma, you know, she does say uh, lush was with her. And so she wouldn't want to do it any other way. And I thought, you know, there's something about that that just really stood out to me in terms of loyalty, right? Where it's, you know, if it's not with her, then I don't, I don't want it. Um, 
And I thought, well, that's, that's kind of cool. You know, that, that for her lush is, is them. Um, but she talks about how she's just very content living her life now as a non-rock star. And so I think you're right. I think for her, it is a happy ending. It was, it felt very happy ending to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Without it being cliche or corny. Her job sounded awesome. I want her job. (laughs) Yes. Right. But yeah, so that was, that was Mickey's life. Great book. I was a big fan. Uh, Highly recommend it. Highly, highly recommend it. Um, That's all I got for you. Yes, it was a very good book. So we're done. We're done. Uh, We'll see you guys in six months. (laughs) No, we're like a year, baby. Yeah. A year? So next year, everyone, we'll see you in a year's time. Thanks for listening to us. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you if you're still out there. Thank you, Dave Grohl. Thanks, Dave. Uh, yeah, we owe it all to you. We Thank do. You, we do. Everyone. All signs point to Dave. Aw, Dave. You Dave. are a friend after all. Yeah, your flannel shirt keeps us all warm. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we love you, Dave. Right. Well, Kisses and hugs. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.